right, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. Um, you see, we did adjust the room a little bit to make sure everybody could get inside and appreciate you being here. I know with the uh, big turnout last week, and then we had the snow and the everybody's saying there's black ice and churches are closing, Armageddon's about to happen, and y'all braved the elements to be here today, so thank you for being here. Um, if you did miss last week, I will say you're going to want to listen to the podcast um, because we covered a lot of foundational material about what to expect when you're raising teenagers, different things that we need to keep in mind, um, and went through a lot of illustrations and stuff. So definitely, if you missed it, you want to go back and, and, uh, and check that out. What we talked about, to recap a little bit, is that in raising teenagers and, and tweens, we have to start moving from uh, really from protecting our kids to equipping them, right? How do, we, how do we equip them instead of just keeping them in the bunker or in the bubble? And that we have to keep in mind that the ultimate goal, right, is that we're trying to help them to become independent and ultimately God-dependent would be our, our deep desire, right, is that they move from being dependent on us, us directing them all the time, uh, guiding their lives in every aspect to where they're independent, and again, ultimately, that they're focused on and that they're depending upon God. Um, and we have, to, we have to remember that this problem is a heart problem, and it's not merely outside influences, right? We talked about the fact last week that we can kind of, when we're in this protection mode when our kids are little, we start to think, oh, you know, it's the TV, it's the friends they're hanging out with, it's all of these outside influences that are really affecting our kids. And we quit focusing on the fact that really it's a heart issue, that there's enough sin in our kids' hearts to damn them to hell by itself, right? They have a sin problem. We all have a sin problem. And so keeping that in mind as we're raising our kids because and, and, and they're going through all these changes they start to become adults they start to have opinions that we didn't give them right and they start to and th- that's a natural thing that's something that we want to see develop in them and yet it, it can surprise us uh, all of the hormones are hitting the, the everything just starts to change and the rules start to change on us in a way that makes us uncomfortable um, years ago I was at a different church and I remember uh, a family uh, that was just an awesome family in the church, and they had their seventh grade daughter. It was their oldest child, and they, I, I was new to the church, started doing youth group. You know, there's kind of some energy and excitement around having a new youth guy, and then suddenly she's like, you know what? I had to stop my daughter from coming to youth group, and I said, well, why? She said, well, she's just so hard to deal with now and everything, and the only thing that's changed is I started letting her go to youth group. Well, she was a homeschool family, so she's like, there's no, I control all the outside influences, and she was kind of isolated, and the only thing that she was letting her go to was youth group, and suddenly she had opinions and, and uh, attitude and all this, and I said, you know, it really might be that your daughter's a teenager, that <laughs> there's things going on there that are causing this to happen, and it doesn't have that the bad influence of the youth group is probably not what's causing this. That things are happening uh, within her life and in her body and changes are taking place. And these things are what's driving this change. You didn't have to flip a switch. It's like Y2K, okay? Do you remember that? Everybody was terrified. Oh, when Y2K hits and all the computers are going to blow up and shut down and who knew what was going to happen and millions of dollars were spent on that. There is a virus of hormones in your child embedded. Right now, if you have elementary school kids, 
there's a Y2K bug in there that's going to go off sometime in middle school. And your kids are going to start changing. Even if you don't change their environment much at all, they're going to start to change. Okay? And, and that's one of those things that happens. And so uh, this is Parent University. If you've wandered in here and don't know, you just came for the donuts and coffee. You saw those and came in. But, but again, we want to welcome you to that. We call it Parent University because we do feel like it's kind of the post, the secondary education for parents because the rules change on us, right? When our kids become teens, everything changes and they're becoming their own people. And we have to change our parenting style when we move into this new phase. And one of the things that we do in this, and you may have seen there's a, there's a diagram that's been out for a long time and it's a, it's a management diagram actually. And we use it at Perimeter when it comes to discipleship. Randy Pope talks about this forever. So you may have seen this so this is uh, for when you have direct reports or people that report to you in management, right? You, when they're brand new, you have to tell them everything to do and direct them all the time. Then as they get used to their job, right, you move into coaching. And then hopefully you can just be in your office and support them when they need help, right? And then ultimately you get to delegating. Now, I'm a big delegator at work, and so I love hiring people that I can move to delegation as fast as possible, right? Because I get more done that way. But this is helpful for us when we think about parenting as well, okay? That when our kids are little, right, uh, they don't, at least mine don't clean their room unless I direct them to do that, okay? In fact, they don't clean anything unless they're directed to do that. If you have other kids that do that, fantastic. I wish, I'd like to learn from you. Yeah, send them over to our house. Um, But as our kids get older, right, we want to move out of directing all the time, and we want to move into coaching, Okay, we want to start coaching them uh, about life, especially as they move into the teen years, right? How can I coach them and help them make decisions and move into to that? And then ultimately, you get into supporting. Now, we don't delegate uh, in that sense, right? Again, that one's not really uh, applies to us in this situation. But, but this is where our roles have to change in the way that we are parenting. Um, last, last week, Cammie talked about this um, in a driving illustration, right? She says that we have, instead of PTSD, we have PTDS, right? Post-teen driving syndrome. Um, after our kids drive now, Cammy just kind of freaks out whenever I turn the corner and because she's still a little shook up from teaching two of our kids to drive. And my third one gets the, her permit this summer. And so we're going to go through it again. Yeah, she's already shaking her head. So, so thinking about teaching your kids to drive really is a lot like raising teenagers, Okay, in a lot of in a lot of senses, if you think about it. Okay, first off, it's terrifying at times, right? Uh, It's something that we want to avoid. Um, My child doesn't want to do it. Okay, at least in when it it comes to driving, some of my kids they're like, I don't want to get behind the wheel. It's it's scary, and our kids can react that way to growing up as well. It doesn't bring out the best in me, right? When I yell at when I'm my daughter has a little PTSD from me teaching her to drive as well from the way I reacted when I thought I was going to lose my life a couple times and, you know, definitely yelled at her in a way that I don't normally speak to her. She's a little shell-shocked from that still, um, and she's 21 now. So, so that can happen. Uh, you know, it doesn't bring out the best when our kids are teenagers. It doesn't bring out the best in me, and that can happen as well. Um, the end result is great, right? It's greater freedom, autonomy. They have the ability to run to the store for me and take their, little, their siblings or pick their siblings up. It, it helps me. It helps them. They have freedom. Like, it's a great thing that they know how to drive, 
right? It's, it's wonderful. Um, but if I don't teach her, what, what, are, what is the result? If I don't teach my kids how to drive, uh, then we avoid the conflict, right? Uh, we avoid the fear. We increase our control. And ultimately, we create dependence on us. Okay, and you may say, well, am I really doing that? Am I really, you know, the cell phone, this, this device right here is, you know, some experts have called this the longest umbilical cord uh, in the world, okay? Because this has changed parenting in huge, amazing ways, uh, some good ways. A lot of us are connected to our kids in ways that we never were, but it's not good for us in a lot of other ways. Um, you know, I've, I've told this story in here before, but once uh, my daughter, who was in college, a community college, uh, she showed up and no, no one came in. The professor didn't show up and everybody just sat there, you know, like, where's the professor? Like 15, 20 minutes go by. So what does my daughter do? She calls me and asks me what she's supposed to do, right? I mean, hey, dad, my professor didn't, you know, what do I do? I'm like, well, I'd get up and leave, you know, like, uh, why are you asking me? I, I actually think we said, you know what? We're not telling you what to do. You're going to have to figure it out, okay? Because when we were growing up, we didn't have these. I mean, I can remember still, I was in this drugstore, this bully was crossing the street, me and my buddy were like looking at some model cars, I was probably 10, 12 years old, and I remember thinking, this guy is about to come in here, and I'm going to have to deal with this guy, I'm just terrified of this, this guy, and I had to deal with that, like now, my kids wouldn't have to deal with that, they would call, hey dad, come pick me up, I'm hiding in the back of the store, you know, <laughs> come get me, right, I mean, we, but we had to deal with things because we, our, our parents weren't just a phone call away. And if they were a phone call away, we didn't have an answering machine. Or if we did, no one had checked it, right? I mean, so there was, I mean, it was crazy the way that we did not have access to our parents and our kids have access to us all the time. And if we continually solve their problems, which really makes me feel great, right? It, it hits something in me. I'm being a parent. I'm helping my children. I'm doing this. And that's the, what I, it makes me feel good to help my parents and come, I mean, to help my kids and come to their rescue. But when I do that over and over again, I'm teaching them to depend on me all the time, even into their 20s. And it's a problem. You can just ask any college professor. Um, so by nature, greater independence leads to less control. Okay, greater independence that our kids, which we want them to have, leads to less control. And this is one of the things that makes us uncomfortable about the teen years in general, because they are hanging out and interacting with people that we don't know. Right. They're doing things that we're not used to and hanging out with people. And and these things make us feel uncomfortable because they have this freedom. Now, one thing that wasn't that isn't in this directing, coaching, supporting, delegating, you'll notice managing is not in there managing our kids is not in there. And this is something that we do. If we're not careful, what can happen naturally over time is we quit engaging our kids and over time, we just start managing their schedules. All right, think about your conversations with your kids over the last week. If you're like me, uh, there's a lot of times when you go through the day and, oh, every, every conversation I had was about what time do I have to pick you up from play practice? Did you do your homework? Have you eaten today? Um, you know, some of these things, did, where's my iPad? You know, what's going on? Did you do your chore list? You know, you can go on and on and on. But they're not like, hey, how's your heart? What's God teaching you? Are you okay today? Right? They're not real questions that really get at who they are 
and the growth that we want to see in them, we're just, we're just managing them. We're managing their schedules. And we can devolve into that. So let's look at this scripture from Deuteronomy 18. This is like my go-to. Again, if you listen to other Parent You podcasts and stuff, you're going to hear this a lot. This is my go-to verse for parenting uh, from the Old Testament. So uh, Moses had just given the law to Israel and the Ten Commandments, and he says, he says this to them. He says, you shall therefore, in speaking about the law, you shall therefore lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul. Excuse me. You shall bind them as a sign on your hands, and they shall be frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach your children, talking of them, that is the law, when you are sitting in your house, when you are walking by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land, that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. Okay, so what does this passage say to us? about when we are supposed to teach our children. All the time, right? We are supposed to be teaching our children when we rise up, when we lay down, when we walk along the way, and when we sit at home. Now, think about the society that this was created in. Over thousands of years of human history, when were you with your children? When you rose up, when you worked in the field, when you cleaned out the barn, when you, if you were a shop owner, your kids were working right alongside you. If you were a homemaker, I mean, think of just the work it took to run a household. You were with your kids all the time, right? And so you would, as you interacted with life, you would naturally teach them about God and about God's law and who he is and what's important and what kind of things we should focus on and what, you know, all of these things. Now think about our life today. How much are we with our kids? We're with them when they rise up sometimes. Sometimes we're not even there, right? Uh, If we're with them, helping them get ready for the day, then they're gone all day. Then they're at practices. Then they're doing some homework right? And all of this stuff. And then maybe we tuck them in at night and there's little or no interaction with them throughout the day. Uh, this, this 21st century time that we have, right? It, it's so much harder for us in, the, in the, the era that we live in, in the technology that we have, in the distractions that we have, in the busyness that we have to teach our children all of these things. Um, so, I want to say it's my theory, and this, this is even to make it more complicated, it's my theory that you can be a mature and equipped follower of Christ, okay, which is big, uh, that's our mantra around perimeter, right, to be mature and equipped, that's the goal. But you can be a mature and equipped follower of Christ and not be a great parent. Do you guys agree with that? Okay, now, so I've spent a lot of time thinking about them. why is that? Why, so you can have a lot of Bible knowledge, really know the Lord, have a solid prayer time, and not be a great parent. And I think it boils down to two main things that come out of this, okay? And what this is, is being engaged and being intentional, okay? Are we engaged with our children? Are we engaging them uh, when things come up? Are we interacting with them in a way 
Uh, and not just reactionary, because that, that can be a part of it. We can just react as parents. Are we engaged with them? And then are we intentional about the things that we're doing with them and the time that we spend with them? Are we doing the right things when we are engaged? Okay? And are we putting down this? Are we putting down our devices to engage with them or making them put down their device? I mean, we're just as bad on that. I'm just as bad on this as my kids are. And I have to put that down and actually interact and say, hey, What's going on? Uh, Ephesians 5 says this, make the most use of the time because the days are evil, right? Make, we have a precious gift, which, but there's a limited amount of time in every single day that we operate, and we, we need to make the best use of that time, especially when it concerns our kids. And this gets really tough because I'm tired. Let's be honest. I am sometimes just flat out worn out, and I don't want to engage. I want to listen to the radio instead of talk to my kids in the car. I want to be on my phone and just veg for a little while or just watch TV and just watch something. And when my children want to engage, it's usually when I am the most exhausted, okay, for especially with teenagers, right? 10.30 for some reason is like the golden time to share. And you're just thinking, I cannot even keep my eyes open right now. So... When, so when we're engaged, we have to talk with our teens and not at our teens. This is another thing that we need to, to make a change. We have to talk with them and not at them. And here is a problem that can really happen with us. So when our children are small, when they're little, they want to talk about childish things. And, you know, I can remember being in the car, you know, ha- so many times, and Zane, my youngest, or, or Lexi, my, Lexi has this crazy imagination, and they're just going on and on about this story that Lexi will go on and on about a story that she's writing, or Zane will tell me, you know, they want to tell me every little detail about a TV show they're watching, okay? And I'm not interested in that. I'm really not. They're talking about things that are childish, and as adults, we can often be like, yeah, yeah, oh, I'm kind of listening, and we're really not, okay? Or I, I'm not. Maybe you guys are better than me at this. I'm, I'm really not listening and, and I'm not engaged. And so what can happen over time, though, if we're not careful, is we stop listening and engaging with our kids because they want to talk about childish things. And then eventually we just stop listening, period. And they stop talking because they're smart and they pick up on that we're not really interested. And they're right because we're not interested in childish things. But if we're not careful, what can happen as they move into the teen years is now they are becoming adults. They are talking about things that we want to engage with them on. And we have trained them that we're not really listening. And we're not really engaged. And then they quit talking to us. And suddenly you got an eighth grader or a ninth grader with headphones in the car. And they don't want to talk to you at all. Sometimes that's on us that we have trained them that by telling them, what they have to say is not important. And we're talking, the only time we talk to them is to instruct them instead of actually just finding out what's going on in their life and in their heart and engaging with them. Um, we become schedule managers instead of parents. Um, and we have disengaged with them so much that now they're disengaged. Okay, that can happen if we're not careful. Um, I'm a, I'm a, 
Cammie also mentioned last week that we need to use more question marks than periods when we talk. We need to start asking questions. This is that coaching, right? When you're moving into coaching, we ask questions more than we, we direct. We don't just say, oh, well, let me tell you what you're going to do, or let me tell you how to handle this, or let me tell you. And I am the worst at this, I realize. You would think, I've been working with teenagers most of my adult life, and yet it's so easy for me with my own kids. I, I'm a big fan of The Incredibles. Any Incredibles fans out there? Like, I love the first Incredibles movie. I like both of them, but the first one especially I loved. And in The Incredibles movie, there's this scene where he's like, the villain always, you know, starts monologuing and going on and on. Well, I, I will do that. And, and when I'm talking to my kid, well, let me just tell you what you're supposed to do. And let me share all my wonderful wisdom and monologue, monologue, monologue. And Cammy will literally quote The Incredibles to me, or my kids will now. Dad starts monologuing. You know, and then I'm just like, oh, I did it again. I can't believe that you caught me monologuing, you know. And that's not what I want to do. Um, so when we ask questions some amazing things happen. One is we draw out what they're thinking. What is going on inside their minds? We, are, we start to draw out what we're thinking so we know what's going on inside. And then we can coach them to see all aspects of the problem they're trying to solve clearly, right? We start to draw them out. We ask questions. How, well, did you see this? Well, what do you think he was thinking when that happened? Or what do you think was going on in that situation? Or why do you think that your friend yelled at you that way? Or what, you know, we start asking questions instead of, well, I bet this is why, you know, and and start to give them answers. And then we aid them in solving problems. Um, Or even better, we aid them in seeking the Lord to solve their problems, right? In leaning into God in order to, to solve their problems. How are you trusting the Lord in this situation? What do you think God would have you do as you interact in this course of action. And when we do this, when we ask questions, when we start to move from directing to coaching and supporting, um, we move, there's, a, there's an intimacy authority scale, okay? Um, and you have authority on one side and intimacy on the other. And we all start out, you know, kind of on, you, as a parent, you can be and you should be on a pretty high authority side, right, uh, with your kids. But as they get older, if you want to have a relationship with them when they're adults, we have to move from the authority to the intimacy side. As we move into coaching, we kind of become consultants with them. We kind of become someone they can come to to ask advice of, especially by the time they're 18, 19, getting in their 20s, right? We want to move into this relationship where now we're friends with our kids when we did have a high level of authority, Okay, now you'll always be their parents. You always have a certain amount of authority, right, with your kids. But we want to see this move. Maybe if you think about your own parents, what kind of relationship you have with them. Sometimes if we have a hard relationship with our parents, even as adults, you can see this, this kind of messed up. We never really moved over to the friend side with our parents. They're still kind of an authority, you know, my way or the highway kind of situation. Okay, but we want to naturally start to move that direction. Now, if you move to the intimacy side too soon... When your kids are little, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster, okay? If you're just buddies with your kids when they're little, that also is not going to uh, do well for us. Um, so, but, but this is something that should be happening slowly as, we, as our kids are growing and as they get older. Um, okay, so we're going to have some discussion time. I've been yapping at you for a while now, and uh, I want us to, to spend some time talking. So I want to set up a scenario for you. So based on the stuff that we talked about last week and, and everything we talked about today, um, let's, let's just go with a, a, 
a certain scenario, okay? Um, Johnny, okay, is with his friends. He's having a sleepover at his friend's house. And as he goes to his friend's house, um, they're down in the basement. The parents uh, at this particular friend, let's say they're just, they're not really engaged. They're upstairs. Maybe they've already gone to bed. You know, it's wine time. Who knows what's going on upstairs? And Johnny's in the basement with his friends, and either they get on the TV or they pull out an iPad and they start looking at something totally inappropriate. It can be anything from like a really raunchy movie, you know, or it can be flat out like porn. Think about that, okay? And he's there, sleepover, two or three of his buddies, and this scenario happens. Now, here's the options, right? He can lead the charge. All right, let's go. He, maybe it's his idea. That could, be, that could be where he's at. He could call mom and dad and say, hey, uh, there's getting into some shady stuff here. I think I want to come home. Can you come get me? Right? Remember, sometimes it's good that they have these things. Um, let's say in the basement they have a pool table in the next room. He can just excuse himself while they're doing that and go in the next room and play pool. Or he can engage the others, his friends, and talk to them about this behavior and that he thinks it's a bad idea that they do this. All right, I want you to spend some time, circle up with people around you, and let's talk. This is a very real-world scenario, okay? Um, This happens, this has probably happened, it it happens a lot, okay? I've heard of this happening uh, many times from teens, this kind of scenario. So let's spend a little time, circle up, and talk about what do you think are the best options, uh, why, and just spend some time interacting with each other about this, okay? So... How was that for you, thinking about that, thinking through this scenario? Um, what are we thinking? When you put, when you put, okay, there are a couple things that are interesting just to think about. If you were in this scenario when you were 14, think about which one of those you would do. That's helpful sometimes, right, to ask ourselves that question. Every time I start to think about my kids, like, eh, then I think, oh, wait a second. What would I have done in that scenario? Um, now think about your kid in this scenario, okay? What do you think? What's, what's the, what do you think is the probable answer here? What would they do? D. D. C. B. Okay, well, okay, now... One thing that's interesting when you look at this, right, there are different levels of victory all through here, okay? So B and C are not bad options, right? Um, and and, and there, can be, there can be something that, that works there. Um, D is where we want our kids to get to, though, right? D would be, oh, man, my kid not only didn't want to watch that, but witnessed to his friends you know, or was, if, they're there, if they were other believer kids, then, then he or she engaged with them, you know, and said, hey, as Christians, this is not what we need to be doing. So, I mean, so for us to think about on a scale, when we're talking to our kids, how do we get them to D, right? If this is the goal, that's what we want to be parenting towards and pushing them towards D, Okay, now let's go through just some of these and, and think about some of the, the consequences and stuff of different things. So what if A happens? How do we react? That's important here, right? So if A happens, 
uh, I'll tell you what, it's very possible, you know, uh, oh, that's disgusting, and we just totally freak out and shame them. Very possible for us to behave in that way, right? Um, we could do that. Um, we could put them back in the bunker, right? We could start to say, you know what? You're not hanging out with those kids anymore. Start putting more barriers up. I'm not letting you go over there anymore. You know, this is, this is for sure. You know, let me, let me control the environment again. Let me throw you back in here and start seeing what I can control and make sure that that doesn't happen. And, and that can push them towards rebellion and it can end up taking them towards a double life, right? If we parent, again, solely for behavior and start doing that, it can lead to a double life, okay? This is where they start going, okay, sinning is not safe in my house, right? I need to, again, I'm not saying we don't punish them. Believe me, there's a lot we need to say and interact with that. But if they, if they go into a double life, they start to push uh, certain things down below. Uh, there was a guy named Hap Clark who wrote a book, and he called it The World Beneath, Okay. Remember, we talked about this a little bit last week, that there's different, they can be one way at school, one way in the locker room, one way at church, one way at home, right? They have multiple strata that they operate on, and that can be the most dangerous for us as parents in a lot of ways because we don't really see their heart. We don't know what's going on there. And so uh, because they know, well, at my house, I behave a certain way, and it doesn't have anything to do with my heart, and I just bide my time until I go to college, and then the real me comes out. I'm sure y'all have never heard of anybody's kids who just go off the rails when they go to college, right? Sometimes that's because of this. It's already there, right? It's already in their heart, and they're just biding their time because they know that behavior is not okay at my house, but I'm not going to show my parents who I really am. If they're in open rebellion, at least we know how to engage with them. We know how to speak to their heart. We know how to pray for them. If they do a double life, sometimes we don't even know, you know, what to do that. Sometimes you discover this on social media. You know, if you're not on your kid's social media already, suddenly a friend of yours is like, man, I was looking at your daughter's Instagram and whoa, you know, and then you're like, whoa, there they are, you know, smoking weed and hanging, you know, cussing and all. And you're just like, where is this coming from? And it's because you had no idea. Okay. Because the double life is something that is easy to do. Um, So that can be the situation. Um, You know, even B and C, as we were talking about, that's interesting. But now think about B and C. Let's look at call mom, B, okay? Hey, I don't want to be with you guys. Y'all are awful. I'm going home. I don't want to have any part of this. Now, that can be. You remember last week we had, Mark had that great illustration of you're in the bunker and you have a bullhorn, but no one's listening, right? If If you're doing really good at... I'm a righteous person in a sinful world, but you don't interact with any non-Christian. They don't influence you, and you don't influence them, right? That can lead to that. The kids who stay there, if you call mom and go home, they're going to feel judged, right? I don't want to hang out with that kid. He's a jerk. You know, again, you may not want them to hang out with him anymore. So, but I'm just saying, think about that. Okay, if you go in the other room and play pool, at least he might still keep his influence to some degree, with those kids, if he wants to interact with them, if they are part of somebody that he actually wants to witness to, share Christ with. Remember, that's the goal, ultimately. And we have to keep in mind that this, when a Christian interacts with a non-Christian, we're hoping that they're influencing them, but the influence goes both ways, and this is our teachable moment, okay? This is what we want to happen. 
See, we want to sometimes create and, and control the environment to the degree that our kids don't have to make these choices, right? But really, when they make those choices, a lot of this stuff and the way we react, if we're not careful, we see it this way. We think the outside influences are evil, and we forget that the problem is their heart, right? The problem is what's inside. And so all this does is reveal what's in here. So this scenario reveals what was in the child's heart. It's not that your child's a horrible person if they chose A. It's not even that their friends necessarily are horrible people if they chose A. I mean, in some sense, we have to stop being shocked by our kid's sin. Okay? We need to stop being shocked by our kid's sin. We need to not take it personally because we do that sometimes too, right? We take our kids' sin personally, and then we have to go after their heart and look for these teachable moments as we interact with them. So how do we go after their heart in this scenario? Okay, if you were going to take this, and let's say they did A. Let's say they did A. How, how would you do that? How would you go after their heart? Let me give you some suggestions here to think about this, Okay. First off, I would recommend the same-sex parent if possible. I mean, if you're a single parent, you just may have to just dive in, right? But if, if you, uh, the same-sex parent, take the lead and come into that scenario and, and start talking about it, you probe why. Why do you think you fell into that? Again, remember question marks more than periods. Hey, this happened, buddy. What, what, what was going on in your mind when that took place? Was it peer pressure? Was it curiosity? Was it lust? Okay. Um, talk about the positive nature of sexuality. Right? You would say, you know what? God created sex and he thinks it's pretty awesome. Your, your teenage boys and girls are very curious about these things. And so for them to fall into that would be very natural and easy because they're, they're curious. They want to know. And, and they're designed to want to know. We forget that. Right, that they are actually God made women mysterious and fantastic, and guys are very curious about that. That's God created that desire in them. That's a good thing. We want to acknowledge that to our kids. Hey, that's a good thing. Sexual desire is a good thing, right? We spend so much time talking about it being a bad thing, and then they got to go to therapy when they ever get married because they don't know how to loosen up, okay? Because we make this this taboo, this mountaintop. Of, of what sexuality is. Um, so talk about the positive nature of sexuality. Talk about exploitation of women. Hey, do you realize that person in the video that you watched, that's someone's mom, that's someone's daughter, that's somebody's sister. Would you, what do you think if your sister was in a situation like that and, and was making a movie like that? Would you, you know, you, you make, make the people real in their lives about what they're viewing. Um, and Talk about, you can talk about the sex trade and exploitation. Um, if it's a, a, I would definitely say of a boy and even girls now, because porn is up among women as well, to say, hey, you know what? This may be, a, this is going to be a struggle you're going to have forever. Like this temptation is not going to go away. That this is something you're going to have to deal with. And then start talking about strategies. How are you going to navigate that? What do you think is the best strategy for navigating that? What, talk about seeking out accountability. You know, when I, I have, with my group, I have a group called a fight club. It's a group of 
juniors and senior boys that I meet with regularly. And I'm talking about this all the time. How are you going to develop strategies when you get to college to navigate this? Because do you think this happens in dorm rooms? Yes. In sorority rooms? Yes. 50% of women under the age of 30 look at porn every week. That's a staggering statistic. This used to be a guy problem. It's not anymore. Are, you ta- are we talking to our daughters about these things? Okay. So sin has consequences. Talk about that with your son or daughter. Hey, those images are in your head now. I bet if you close your eyes right now, you can see that. Did you know that when you're 50 and you close your eyes, you might still be able to see that? Because it's still there. It's like it's in there somewhere. And when you take that in, this is happening. So you talk about consequences. Where was your heart when that happened? Where do you think the heart of your friends were when they... uh, jumped in and you guys engaged. Did you love your friends well in leading them uh, into this or in participating in this? How did you, what kind of friend were you in this scenario, right? These are the kinds of questions that we want to ask. Were you salt and light? What would Jesus say you should do about this? Um, So that's just an example of how we engage the heart and not behavior, Because if we parent just for behavior, the double life, or you can kind of go and develop a pharisaical kind of, okay, I'm going to be pure and but not worry about the rest of the world, when really the top one, right, engaging a lost world, and it's risky, but that's what God calls us to do, right? That's the goal of what we want to do. Let me pray for us, and then Cammie's going to come up and share a little bit with us as well. Heavenly Father. Lord, this is hard. This is difficult to know how to navigate the world that you have called us to live in. Um, it's, Lord, it's fraught with danger at every, at every turn. And, um, but yet you have called us to be parents at such a time as this. And Lord, we need you. We need to be God-dependent every day as we interact with our teens and tweens, as we parent our children, shepherding their hearts. Lord, we want to Walk alongside them in a way that brings you honor and glory. And Lord, I just, I ask you to give us grace and pour it into our hearts and um, give us wisdom as well. And thank you that we can have partners like others in this room that we can share with and uh, lean on as well as leaning into you as we parent. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm Cami Summers and I'm Jeff's wife. And, you know, whenever time... Whenever he gets up and he talks, I don't know if you guys feel like me, but I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I want to engage my children. Yes, I'm going to ask them more questions than statements. Yes, yes, yes. Equipping, equipping, equipping. Yes. And then I go home. And I'm tired. <laughs> and life is busy, right? Like, I don't know how your week was, but my week was absolutely insane. I had incredibly intensive meetings late at night through work this week. We had a parent meeting with PCS on Monday. We had a sports thing on Wednesday night. We had um, people come and stay with us Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I had a staff wives retreat on Friday night. We're preparing for Parent U. You know, I drove home from Cleveland yesterday from a staff wives retreat that took three hours instead of one hour because of the snow. You know, it just is crazy. And when real life hits what I want to do, it can become what I wish I would do. 
and I can beat myself up for what I'm not doing right. Do you guys do that too? I mean, um, so this week I only saw my kids in a few snapshots and most of those were filled with question marks like, did you do your homework? Did you clean the kitchen? When will you be here for dinner? You know, those kinds of question marks. And by the time they answered those questions, I was ready for bed because I was done. I didn't ask my kids a real question all week. I didn't encourage their independence or pursue their hearts. And in that respect, it was a fail. And even worse than that, if I'm totally honest with you, when I did ask them questions, it wasn't, did you do your homework? It was, did you do your homework? Why didn't you do your homework? You know, those kinds of questions. But the truth is, some weeks are like that. Some weeks I run on empty or I just flat run out, and those weeks remind me that I need Jesus. I don't just need him eternally. I need him in the right now. I need him to redeem my parenting fails. I need Jesus to refill my tank and renew my strength and help me to keep on keeping on. Because parenting teens is not a sprint. It is a marathon. I'm going to say that again. Parenting teens is a marathon. And I need Jesus in every step. Weeks like this one was for me are also the times when I have to repent. Um, Because my teens don't always get the best part of me. And so when I yell at one, like I did this week, about the kitchen that was not done, and I said, if you can't clean the kitchen like you're supposed to, maybe I should take money out of your account and pay one of your siblings to do it. I really did that. Not my best parenting moment. They left the room, and Jeff comes up to me and goes, really? Really? I'm like, If I were left to myself in this parenting thing, I would hit the self-destruct button. And I would end up estranged from all my children. Because I can't do it in my own strength. But God is so faithful. He brings conviction and repentance. And I get to go to my teens and I get to say, I blew it. I spoke more with my sin than I did in the spirit. And I'm sorry. And I get to share with them how much I need Jesus. Because I do. And they do too. And my hope is that as they see me looking to Jesus when I blow it, they will know they can look to Jesus when they blow it. Because the thing is, is in the scenario that Jeff gave, like Christ is bigger than that. You know, we can forget that as parents, I think. And God loves us. God loves us when we fail parenting. God loves them when they fail in those choices in life. And we always have to remind ourselves of an eternal view, not just the temporary. So I don't know where you guys are in your parenting, your marathon of parenting right now. It might have been a great week for you. You might have engaged them. It might have been a hard week for you. You might not have, like me. Um, But I do think... I always want y'all, when you come to Parent You, to have a time to pray together and to share with each other. We want this to be a community that you feel like you can come and share and be real. We don't want you to have to have that dual life yourself, because we can do that too, right? The Botox Christianity of how are things going? Great. Everything's great, you know? And they're not. So, like, we want to pray for each other. 
And I want to give you guys time at the very end to do that. But before I do that, I want to give you, I want to tell you a few announcements. And one of those is we did homework for Parent You. If you want it, it's not required. You won't get a grade on it. But <laughs> it's a talk to your teen. And there's a sheet on the back table, both the back tables that had name tags on them that you can get. And it's like share a time when you were tempted as a teen and failed. Like leading with your own failure as a teen. Like I went to a party and they were smoking marijuana and I was so afraid that I left immediately like I could see the cops descending on the building in my head you know because I was afraid you know so like leading with your how you handled things how you could have done it differently how you wish you could have done it um and share the things you'd wished you'd known like I wished I'd known that I could have seen those people not as people doing drugs but as people who needed Jesus at the time I was so afraid I was going to be a um affected. So, and then it has some questions for you to ask your teen. What are some of the temptations you and your friends are facing? I think it's really easy for teens to talk about their friends' temptations. If you don't have a really, you know, a child that has a bit of privacy. One time I asked Tirza after a rush, like, how are you handling this? And she was like, that's private, mom. And I was like, I wiped your butt. It's private? Really? Like, (laughs) that's weird to me. But you know, (laughs) but I think we have to give them room to talk about their friends' struggles and what are their friends needing. And so sometimes that can be an easier way, but that that's a question. Um, and then also, have you ever been in a situation or struggled to do the right thing? And that's really important that you ask that kind of not in the moment. Like if you aren't facing one of those situations, like Jeff said, but you want to do something preemptively, like giving them the opportunity to share, knowing that they might not and that you don't have to press them and that it needs to be a safe place. But then also talking about how can I help you? Like if you went to this situation, if we talk through the situation Jeff gave today, like how can I help you? Like I heard of a parent doing a, if I text, if you text this, I know I need to call you and you need to come home. You know, like kind of like a 911 text to your parents, like to give them to save face so that they don't have to have an estranged relationship or to be the parents that, oh, my dad would kill me if I did that or my mom would, you know, whatever. So that gives you some ways to talk through with them. And then talking through the different situations of cheating or lying or porn or, you know, all of the things that they might face in temptation. We had a friend whose daughter did that and um, her the friends said to our daughter, you know, if you don't come up with a plan before you go to the party, you'll probably make a decision in the party and that's not when you want to make the decision you want to make it before and her daughter was like well then I'm going to decide now not to drink and then she went to the party she talked to her friends about it and the friends were like well I don't know we'll just decide and then all the friends drank and she didn't drink and she was like mom you were right (laughs) she was so surprised my friend was like yeah I kind of know stuff but (laughs) but so that's the homework if you want it is on the back sheet if that's helpful and then the other thing is the established conference is going to happen the end of this month and so that's got some good workshops for parenting. Jeff Norris is going to speak on Friday night about kids, and it's done for um, people who volunteer in children or youth, but also if you're a parent, there's some, going to be some great talks on sexuality in the workshop. So just wanted to let you know about that. And um, so we're going to give you guys time to pray and share in groups, and then you guys can just go ahead and dismiss. We're sorry we're not in tables. We wanted to give room for everybody to be in here. So the way you guys broke into groups was great, but you might want to stick to three or four, make a little bit smaller groups so you can share and pray for each other, okay?
And we're so glad you're here. Oh, the other thing, uh, we're going to be here two more times. We do a series of Parent You in the spring, in February, and then we do one in the fall, October, November. So just FYI, we'll be here the next two Sundays at 9 o'clock in the shed. So tell your friends. Thanks, guys.